everybody out there listening, it's time to light the beam because this is Nerdy for 30, the podcast where we talk about nerdyish movies for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer, aka The Critic's Choice. With me, as always, is the people's champ, Tim Keck. And today... We are talking about a very fun August movie. That's right. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Tim, we didn't see this one together, so I got to know. What'd you think? I thought it was great. It was really good. I mean, this is it's I don't it's it's not as good as like Spider-Man into into the what was it into the universe or like the first Mm -hmm. Spider-Man movie. Yeah, Spider-Man across the universe. But it brought a similar energy of the not the first. What was the, the second one that I didn't like? And then the first one. So the first one was good. And the second one I I a little bit out on. But this seemed to capture the spirit of that first Spider-Man movie where it's like reintroducing us to this universe. The animation's super cool. They're fast and loose with the comedy. They're making all these weird references to stuff. Talking about anime mm. and like other superhero movies and IP that exist. And it's just a good time, man. There were a lot of kids in the theater. They were very invested. A lot of gasps, a lot of laughing. (laughs) It was uh, very fun. It was very fun to sit there and just have the whole theater gasp when like somebody got hit with something or whatever. I forget. There was I'll try to remember it during the pod, but it was it was a fun time, man. I really enjoyed it. I thought it looked great. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Big thumbs up. I'm excited. What do you think? Yeah, dude. I thought the same. I thought it was a great time. I was a little bit surprised that it skewed younger than I was thinking, which is on me because this is a Ninja Turtles movie. But it reminded me of what we talked about with Super Mario Bros, where we become accustomed to this idea that these movies are going to have something more adult in them. And I wouldn't say this one was strictly juvenile, but I do definitely think they played to a younger crowd more specifically in this than you see with some other animated movies now where they do try to split it up. I mean, we have been talking about Mitchell's versus the machines. It, it's at the point we've talked about this. We got to do it on the pod. We'll the do it on the pod good. for sure. But that's one where there's a lot in there for older audiences and it still plays for younger audiences, but it feels like it more addresses that spectrum. And I was a little bit surprised at how heavy Ninja Turtles went on really simple exposition and things that seemed like they were designed for a five or six year old to be able to follow the plot. That's who it's for. And man, it was great. It was a super fun time. Yeah, maybe it was childish. I mean, but it's written by uh, adults, right? Like Seth Rogen was involved in this. Like, like adult comedians who write adult comedies wrote something targeted for kids. And it seems like kind of behind the scenes, they were very collaborative with the kids actually playing the Ninja Turtles. I know you've talked that Mm -hmm. up, how it's nice to have actual teenagers playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah. Groundbreaking for some reason. It works great. I mean, honestly, all of the audio, all of the uh, voice acting in this is awesome. It's super fun. Are the themes the? I think the themes are universal enough that I can appreciate them. I got a lot of references. There's definitely some like, you know, Mr. Beast cameos that I'm like, I don't care about this, but I'm glad some kid does. And uh, apparently Mr. Beast was animated into it and he did the voice what? for it. And then somebody was wearing a Mr. Beast shirt. His character was where. So he had an animated character named Mr. Beast who like went over to see if someone was OK or something. Oh, I missed that. There's so many little references in this. And there's so many quips and I feel like a lot of the hanging out with the turtles 
was whether or not it's it was improvised or not. It felt very improv and like they were all goofing off in the same room together. And it was very mm-hmm. fun. It felt like a cool hang with uh, some some fun teens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it I think it nailed that. I shouldn't say that it specifically went for five or six year olds too definitively because there were a bunch of seemingly preteen kids or like young teenage kids in the theater that were absolutely loving this. And I think the energy that the four main actors brought to the turtles themselves really resonated. I actually have definitive proof that it really resonated because when they were doing the bacon, egg and cheese riff outside of that one place they were hanging out, a kid in the front of my theater with a very genuine New York accent. He was not doing a voice goes as New York right there. They got New York in this. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. They not only like resonated with this teen, but they resonated with like actual New Yorkers. He didn't say anything else during the movie until ice cubes character was talking about beating someone within an inch of their life. And then he goes again, that's New York right there. <laughs> This was a New so, York you know, movie. It felt like it. Yeah. it felt like a New York movie. They it had did. enough specifics in there, gross. and enough and enough specific references to make it seem like they actually knew what they were talking about. You know, mm-hmm. but I I think I don't know if it's the main conflict in it, but definitely a, a huge conflict in it. By the way, Jackie Chan is Splinter, amazing, absolutely insane, Inspired. so good, so great. Ugh. I love it. It took me a while to figure out it was Jackie Chan. Uh, Actually, I didn't know who any of the voice actors were. And then halfway through, I'm like, oh, this is Jackie Chan (laughs) for sure. That's crazy. Mind blowing. Um, But there is a huge conflict based around the idea of parenting. And now ultimately the conflict between the main bad guy, he's a foil for Splinter and the like kind of big conflict in the movie is is parenting styles right and like how they take care of each other and i think what was the phrase they were both repeating where it's like you have to do exactly what i say if if you're going to be okay you have to follow my rule it's like a dictatorship and ultimately they're learning that they have to let go and let people find their own way and figure out their own thing even if life isn't fair and the world's dangerous you gotta you gotta try at some point you gotta let go and let them be mm. themselves. And having that foil in the main bad guy makes me think that is like a huge message in it. And that's not necessarily something that's for kids, right? That's for the parents watching and something that they can at least relate to in some capacity. That struggle between protecting and smothering. And uh, so I think there's definitely stuff for adults. And as an adult, I I enjoyed it thoroughly. Hmm. Yeah, that's New York right there. <laughs> that's New, New York, York right in the there. Movie. I I will say, maybe this maybe this is a beef. This could be a premature beef. Uh, the bad guy, Superfly, voiced by Ice mm-hmm. Cube, incredible, also incredible. Uh, if he is the foil for Splinter, which it seems like he is, right? Splinter is their dad. They call him Dad. He's their parent, like their only parent they have. And there is love there. He raised them. He taught them everything he knows. Essentially, Superfly did the same thing. And yet when the turtles show up, his family turns on him real quick. (laughs) You know, they are like willing to kill their dad or whatever. 
they're not calling him dad. I think it's different. It feels more like a big brother vibe. Like like mm-hmm. the eldest brother is forced to raise the other kids. But I did think it was funny that like like the turtles have so much reverence for their father figure. And then all of these other new characters that I loved don't have the same reverence for Superfly for whatever reason. Sure. It's, it's I think interesting. it comes down to the motivation because Superfly was actively trying to go out of his way to hurt people who would hurt him. And Splinter's strategy is just hide and avoid. Just they're not going to accept us. We got to just get out of here and do our own thing. Yes, but his but the bad guy's motivation is to create a safe space for his family. So it's another example of I don't think of the bad guys kind of right in this, right? Like that is an answer. It might not be the best answer, you know, like Thanos murdering half the population. That's probably not the best solution for everybody. But for the people that survive, it would be pretty great. right <laughs> superfly like all the humans die or they're enslaved or whatever but you know the animals will be off be pretty well off you know also mm-hmm. i also i was thinking they, their plan is to bring every animal to like a mutated human life you know how many fucking bug people there are gonna be oh, there's Jesus. gonna be an oh. infinite number of roach people like i think superfly is gonna regret it immediately like he's a commodity but once there's millions and mil- I think we're outnumbered by a lot. I'm I'm, I'm going to Google it right now, but I think I think animals oh, outnumber it- human beings on this planet by like a shit ton. Tim, ants alone. I think the number is three million ants to every one human. <laughs> there are so many ants alone and it, ants are not a fun hang. An ant person of the different people like yeah, cockroach people would be disgusting. I do want to talk about the fact that Splinter hooks up with a cockroach person at the end of this movie. Yeah, okay, I just um, Googled it. Recent figures indicate there are more than 200 million insects for each human on the planet. That's absolutely disgusting. And this New York Times article whole <laughs> claims the world holds 300 pounds of insects for every pound of humans. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so literally he would would destroy the world right at a certain point if they multiply (laughs) if they multiply the current earth population by 200 million there are no resources the planet is destroyed like we're all we're all dead (laughs) it just looks like a katamari damacy ball it's just a pile it's like him (laughs) when he's a mutant at the end it's just a pile of creatures all rolled like up into each other <laughs> stacked up on top of each other i mean one yeah, anthill like would be a, a, an atrocity oh be just a flood of bodies i mean this would be a gruesome massacre of pretty much everyone on earth which uh you know i don't know if that's what he intended no no i i don't think he thought it through but you know he's a fly <laughs> <laughs> no he's a super fly you're right. You got me on that one, Tim. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, that's super gross. I don't even think his ray killed people, right? Like the point of it isn't to. It sounded like humans wouldn't survive, but then he was like, oh, but we could keep them as pets. So I don't think the ray killed people. I think it just turned insects into people 
and then they would outnumber the people to 200 million to one. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> which then, to be fair, the odds would be in their favor <laughs> to be fair, to be fair. Uh, we wouldn't stand a great chance. You know, I know there would be some people out there. I mean, we all know people who wouldn't be carrying their weight against the 200 million and <laughs> sure. people. So yeah, yeah. We'd have to, we'd, that's like, you know, an extra 400, 600 million for me. <laughs> and that just seems unfair. You know, for every actual Jackie Chan, for every John Cena, you know, there's <laughs> another person who's just not carrying their weight whatsoever. Um, wow. You know, what's that figure where it's like one in four Americans think that they could actually beat a bear in a fight? Like there was a poll <laughs> and like 25, like a shockingly high percentage of people legitimately think that they could beat a bear in a fight. There's a chance. <laughs> it's not a death sentence that's what i'll say wow do i have time D- like prep time like, prep like the time, batman you know? argument on yeah forums? the batman argument <laughs> do, I have, do i have prep time on this bad news you've been uh you've had 34 years what have you done with it <laughs> 34 years of prep time <laughs> bear is coming Jeez. any day now the bear is gonna be here What's your first move? What do you do? You get a knock on your door tomorrow. Brown bear. I don't think he's fitting up the stairs to my apartment. You're down to the you're down to the front. I'm down at the front. I'm slamming that door in his face. If he's I mean, he's going to have to get through the door frame, which might be tough. Then I'm going up the stairs. I'm finding something pointy and and I'm maintaining that high ground. You know, I'm getting something long and pointy. I have this lamp I just got. I'm going to get the lamp and I'm just going to start shoving him in the face. And then I'll start chucking knives at him and then pots and pans, you know, make myself as big as possible. But you're saying this guy's on a mission, right? Like he really wants. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that part, I think that factoring into the, if it's just a random bear, you know, I think I could just get big and like, wow. And then I would tell people like, you know, I kicked his ass. But if if this bear, if, if I, if I slept with this bear's wife and he was coming, (laughs) coming to get revenge on me, I think I would be in trouble. (laughs) I'd be in trouble. Oh my God. The idea that you, you know, you're on a work trip. You just happen to be in a different town than you're normally in. You're at a Bernstein's at the bar. Yeah. She's got the little hat on, the little like sleeping cap. Like she's trying to keep her hair dry. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And one thing leads to another. Things have not been going well lately. Oh, man. So you got any beefs for the uh, the Ninja Turtles? I have one beef. There is that moment in the movie where they flirt with having a sad scene and they backpedal so fucking fast, like <laughs> jarringly fast, where they get home from hanging out with April. And it seems like they only needed to stop home and like grab something. They framed it in the movie as though they need to stop home for a while. But then as soon as they get home, they bounce again. But what they're home for is to check in with splinter oh that's right he texts them there's an emergency they get home for the party and he's thrown them this party and it is heartwarming because he's coming at it from a fucked up place but you really see that he cares and he put work into this and the scene is like 30 seconds long but i couldn't help think about how heart-wrenching the goofy movie was if you remember the goofy movie (laughs) and any scene where max started to pull away from goofy they made you feel like fucking 
trash. And they went so hard in that movie that I don't ever really want to watch it again. I'll watch the Leaning Tower of Jesus scene. I'll watch some Powerline scenes on YouTube. But I can't watch anything that involves like the possums, the little like <laughs> dancing possum hut or anything where Goofy was excited and Max lets him down because it's just too sad. So we don't need to have a whole movie of that. But I do think if they leaned into the sadness potential in that one scene, it could have given us a little more emotional depth that would have made us feel more for the turtles and for Splinter. What do you think? Do you agree? Or would that have been a misstep for the tone of this movie? It did get me though. I did get, I did get a little sad for him. Yeah. I don't, I definitely got a little emotional watching this movie too. Like family for whatever reason, family, you know, like in the fast and furious, like family's everything. And anytime somebody talks about family for long enough, I'll, I'll tear up a little bit, you know, it'll happen. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know if I needed more, but it would have been interesting to see if a longer scene there would have helped splinters turn a little bit more, like made him more of an empathetic character. And Mm. I think he is an empathetic character in this. I don't think kids are walking away thinking that splinter is a bad guy uh, you know, like a like a jerk parent who's like not letting the kids do anything. Mm. Um, and yeah, has him coming in and fighting at the end and really caring. I mean, they do a good job of. Like. I guess, you know, is it's like I want to say like uh, like Apple and stick or something like that, where he's like, I love you guys. But go down into the sewers and stay there forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's equal parts. Like he's he is doing it because he loves them and because he cares. And I think that tone is in it throughout. Uh, so when when they go to visit him, that was something mm-hmm. I thought was weird. At the beginning of the movie, they sneak out and they're on a rooftop watching watching movies in Brooklyn, which seems very cool. And they mm-hmm. want girlfriends and they're looking at all the people hanging out and thinking it's neat. And then they rush back and Splinter's like, where were you? You said you'd be gone an hour. Now you're gone way more. And then for the rest of the movie, they're just out all the time. And Splinter yeah. doesn't blink an eye at it. He's just, thank you for staying. Does he think they're in the sewers? What is their relationship that he doesn't see them all day? And he still thinks they're following these rules that he came up with. Oh, yeah, because he grounded them. He said no leaving for a month and then they just left. And then they just left a lot and just kept doing it (laughs) and and didn't come back for like, I don't know, full days. Wow. Yeah, that is a that's a big hole. Huh. I mean, best possible read. He's asleep. He's an old rat. (laughs) He's just asleep a lot. I think that's probably part of it. They definitely imply that he is a sleepy guy who doesn't really know what's going on. But when he is Mm -hmm. conscious and with it, he wants them in. He wants them under there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, is that your beef? Did you have any other beefs? I think that's all my beefs. I mean, I really liked it. And and to follow the splinter thread, like his interaction with April O'Neil, I thought was so sweet where she's like coming down there and she, and he's like scared of her. And it's so funny that like a giant karate rat is like terrified of this like little little girl. And mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, I'm here. I know about your friend. I'm here for you. Your kids are in danger. I got to take you. And then he has all their weapon. When he that scene when he has like all their weapons and he's like just whipping them at everybody. That was awesome. I love that. That <sighs> was like his that was his Yoda scene, you know, like Yoda lightsaber scene where like I love it. I love seeing 
an unsuspecting character just whoop ass. And it was great. It was great to see. Oh, same here, man. All the ninja stuff was great. The fact that they learned ninjutsu through VHS tapes and YouTube was <laughs> so fucking funny it's such a funny spin on this idea i went through earlier this year and read a bunch of the original ninja turtles comics because i'd never read the real comics back from when it was like a zine and they're so gritty and so serious because they're a parody of that frank miller daredevil run and to see someone just take the piss out of it it feels so much more in line with the fact that these are fucking turtles like this movie really seemed to embrace all the weirdness present in the Ninja Turtles mythology. And maybe we've just gotten more cynical, but it made the whole thing a lot more palatable. And I think it is a great way to update this franchise for modern people, modern kids. So when you in the magazine you read, because the first one I think I read was actually as a kid was like an audio cassette and it went along with like the first couple books and Ninja Turtles. And it was like well, the turtles show up. And they're fighting Baxter Holmes, who makes these like mouse things. And Mm. I'm pretty sure in that the central conflict was that like Shredder and Splinter were both ninjas, basically. And Splinter and Shredder betrays Splinter. And because Splinter had spent so many much time around rats, he went from a person into a rat person. But the turtles then became human because they'd spent the most time around him. And I guess that was always the version I thought that like Splinter was a human at one point. And it kind of made me reflect on like the other movies and stuff. I don't know if they really acknowledge that or mention that. Right. And some of like the and like the popular like live action stuff. I don't know if that's really the angle they've taken. So I wasn't sure if like how how clued in I was to the Turtles mythology. I think for this story, especially it makes way more sense for him to be a rat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that fits that fits seamlessly with like what everybody else is doing in this. And and uh, <laughs> even the jokes they make about like, well, I was an older rat, so I became an older rat person. It's, yeah. it's so it makes sense. <laughs> they, <just> explain, <laughs> they explain just enough in like a very simple way where you're like, cool, got it. I don't think it, uh, so I think I think it's fun to come up with beefs, too. But it's also like I don't think anybody's there like. Huh, but that doesn't make any what what about the anatomy of this? One of the one of the questions I have is do Ninja Turtles can they go in their shells? Do they like fully pull into their shells? Because I don't think they do. I don't think they can. Uh-uh. No, That's a it bummer. doesn't seem like they can. How do they have yeah, they how are they Ninja Turtles to. and they can't pull into their shell like that? They can probably dip, dip their heads in or something. You would hope. I think they do that in one of the movies where they're the Henson puppets. I feel like there's something where they yes. like pull their head in. There's some sort of a, a bit around that. I could be completely making that up uh, as I've made up facts on this podcast before. But <laughs> I was also wondering if when that scene where they're all going from like the Statue of Liberty or whatever into Manhattan mm-hmm. to fight the giant whale fly, the turtles are carried in a net by slobber golem or whatever the, the name of that scary monster that drooled a lot was yeah and there was a part of me that's like don't can't turtles swim i was like are these guys good swimmers <laughs> or would they just swim i guess flying's gonna be faster regardless but part of me was like oh these turtles could probably swim pretty fast it's funny they need a ride i don't know i think some turtles can swim i don't know if all turtles can swim 
Well, like a tortoise. I don't think a tortoise can swim really. Yeah. I think a tortoise is like not, a stone. They're too heavy. Ninja tortoises. They're ninja turtles. They're right. soft shells. I think. Well, actually, I know, like little box turtles. Yeah, I don't know. I I looked this up one time. I think they actually do have canonically different turtle species assigned to them. I want to say like Michelangelo is like a red-eared slider or something, which really? is the invasive species. Maybe they're all sliders because those are an invasive species that is wrecking the ecosystem of Central Park. But if you do go to the Central Park pond right now, there's a fuckload of turtles and it's super cool. I yeah. know it's bad for the environment, but it is really neat to see a ton of turtles. And you can just go up there and kill them just like lantern flies. <laughs> They're invasive Christ. species. So the government's like, uh, kill on no. site. I get my turtle uh, gun and I go out there and I just mow them down. Turtle gun. Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see you in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Which, by the way, <laughs> do you know the, the plans done. for this franchise? <laughs> do you know the plans for this franchise? No. So, I'm sure Shredder is, is in the plans. Shredders and plans for sure. This has been greenlit for a second movie, but also greenlit for two seasons of a series that is direct to Paramount Plus. Normally, I'd be a little bit skeptical about this, but I do think that the voiceover actors are great and I'm super glad they're making use of them before they all like go all the way through puberty and sound completely different. Yeah, I think that's they need to capitalize on these guys immediately. Oh, yeah. I also we I need also, to avoid a Will Byers situation. <laughs> yes. Which they're going to be like five years older, like the next time we get a season. So it's going to be yeah. stranger things. <laughs> like they're going to be like grown, like 30 year olds playing. Uh, it'll be like it. It'll be like the second it movie. But mm-hmm. uh, that cast pretending to be in the first it movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, they're like a team mm-hmm. and they produce the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They also produced The Boys mm-hmm. and they also produced Invincible. Yeah, that's a hell of a run. Oh, yeah, that's a really good. That's as good of a superhero run as anyone else has had. Sure. I mean, if we. Yeah, if we want to dig into it, I guess I was going to say the they didn't create the characters. Well, yeah, like the Russos, anybody playing the Marvel sandbox, they didn't create the characters either. Um, right. I mean, they're all smash hits. Gen V is coming out. Gen V looks great. Like everything happening in the boys universe. I think it's the start of something interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm glad they're doing this kind of like low, but I mean, they're kind of make. I don't know how big the budget was for uh, the budget was 70 million for this. Oh, so wow. it's reasonably low budget. What? I I think it's great that they're doing all this stuff. Is there another IP that would make sense for these guys to tackle? Hmm. Maybe make it a little more funny. Yeah, there's one that's really cool. It's a recent one. It's called Ultra Mega. So it kind of takes place in like a world of like kaijus and giant monsters. And it's kind of loosely based around the character Ultraman. But you know, changed for yeah. their own purposes. Um, Ultra Mega is another one that I feel like would fit really well for them because it's super fucking violent, but it's really over the top and it's got really incredible art associated with it. And the lore behind it is really cool. I feel like they would really dig it. There's another one that I just started reading too called Dual Power Bomb. That's like really over the top, kind of like supernatural wrestling it's like this it's <laughs> like a dragon ball z style tournament but it's like wrestlers from across space and time and it seems really neat so i would love to see what they do with that how about you do you got anything on deck for them 
I was thinking, I don't know if it'd be uh, sticking with the low budget theme, but what about Power Rangers? Oh, yeah. What if they did a Power oh, that Rangers? Great. That was like tonally between in, I guess. I don't know if I'd, I wouldn't go full boys with it, but maybe like a, a sure. more grown up version of what we got in the Ninja Turtles, I think would be great. Like real pop culture references, like a almost like a uh, and like maybe make it like really funny. What? Animorphs. Oh, Animorphs. Yo. Wow. That's great. Holy, because there's like vile, there's like brutal violence in Animorphs. It's yeah. a straight up war. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. Oh, I would love that. I would love. I would still crap. love it. I would have loved it. I still would love it. <laughs> I have no idea. What's the audience for Animorphs? Like it just be people like us? Or, there's like no yeah. young people into Animorphs, are there? Are they Dude, still reading? Seth it? Rogen has to read Animorphs. Oh, maybe he's a little too old for it. I bet he was a little bit too old for it. I bet he missed Animorphs, but he should. They should get involved in it. I'll write him an email and just see, see what they can do. See if yeah. they can fix up Dude, Animorphs. I'll give you Dude, the keys to the kingdom right idea. now. Jack Black plays a grown up Animorph. Nobody <laughs> remembers what the Animorphs did for the world, but the Yerks come back and Jack Black has to recruit an all new team of Animorphs. Oh, so you're like, we're starting from scratch. But like everything from the books happened. But yeah, we're starting from scratch with wow. new IP. Wow. I mean, I think the books ended with like, you know, peace on Earth and then flying into space to murder other people or something. Yeah. Yeah. A couple people died. But I remember, I think Marco was like a, a celebrity. Like yeah, he was Marco going around doing the talk show circuit. <laughs> Rachel died. Cassie quit. Yeah, that's right. Rachel died. Damn. Gosh. I think Tobias was still a hawk, right? Like he stayed hawk. Yeah, he was stuck there because he could turn into a person or this is becoming mm -hmm. an Animorphs podcast, but he had the choice Dude, of becoming a person. In the first place, frankly, <laughs> we got to do an Animorphs spot. I there was also a great moment near the end of the series where mm -hmm. they gave they found like a morphing cube and they gave morphing powers to a bunch of kids with disabilities. Yes. And it, oh my and it God. cured a bunch of them. And then the yeah. other one, but then the rest could also just turn into elephants and stuff. And I mm. think that would be an amazing movie if they did that for this. What if that's just the part of it? We just all the other stuff has happened. And then one day Jake shows up and there's like the new crew. And it's like, that's the story that they're telling. I think it'd be cool as hell. Yeah, that was <laughs> I. that was such an incredible late in the game addition to the series. We were talking the other day. I think we were talking last week about how one of those kids, their primary morph was a bull. And as a kid, I was like, lock yeah. it down. That's mine. I'm taking bull. I mean, back to your earlier question, Rachel, grizzly bear, pretty good. Although I think yeah. I could take her. What do you, uh, <laughs> where we want to put this on the list, better or worse, super smash bros. Super Smash Bros. The oh, game? Super Mario Bros. Gosh, they should do Super Smash Bros. That'd be cool. It's we coming. better be building I towards that. I fucking guarantee you. It's definitely coming. Uh, okay, better or worse. Let's just say better than worse than Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I think it's bad. <sighs> I, I think could I, be wrong, actually. I think, I think I, it's close. It's close. It's real close. I think Across the Spider-Verse was better. You think across the spider it does feel close. Should we put this right under that? What's under across the spider-verse right now? Dungeons and Dragons. 
I do think it's better than Dungeons that, and Dragons. I think I do think it was better than Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so it's going to go right there. I feel good about it. I really want to watch uh, Across the Spider Verse again because everything online that I see from that is like the attention to detail they put mm-hmm. into the animation for that is insane. It's actually people are freeze framing stuff and all the Easter eggs in that are absolutely batshit. I don't love the story, but gosh, I do want to I want to see it again for all the it's ludicrous. And stuff. It's ludicrous how much work went into that. It's absolutely nuts. All right. Should we wrap it up, Kev? Got any Let's final wrap thought? it up. What a banner year for animation so far. I can't tell you how happy I am that these studios are taking these massive swings and trying out new styles. I love it. I hope that this is going to help uh, the same way the Spider-Verse has in ushering in new styles so that everything doesn't look like an Illumination movie. Everything doesn't look like a Pixar movie. We get something a little more fresh. That's great. How about you? Final thoughts? Same. Right on. Well, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back here again next week. Meg 2, The Trench. Until then, stay nerdy, everybody. Stay nerdy. Bye.